0: Hi everyone, welcome back to my podcast, Happy Hour with Victabulous. Happy Friday, hope you guys all had a great week, actually a couple weeks. I know I didn't do, it seems like forever I haven't done an episode, even though it's only been, I only missed a week. Uh, I didn't post anything uh, last Friday, because last week was just exhausted, I just, we. I, I went on a road trip with my family, with my son and my husband and my father-in-law. We did a road trip up to, um, Big Bear. You know, my, uh, husband's family has a cabin up there. So we decided to go and just get away and just enjoy the fresh air and get some quietness. And we decided to just make a trip of it and we went to go see the, um, dinosaurs, the Cabazon dinosaurs, if I'm pronouncing that right. And we did that, went to Big Bear. Then we took a road trip to the Grand Canyon. So after doing all that and coming back, I was just really exhausted. It's been a while since I've done like a big road trip like that. And then on top of that, doing that with a toddler, it can be a little extra exhausting. So I just couldn't, for the life of me, get the energy to record for uh, Friday's release episode. I completely apologize, Uh, but you know, it happens, you just get exhausted. Uh, I wasn't expecting to be as exhausted, but you know, the heat, have not been out for a while, like most of you, but here I am today. And... I hope you guys are looking forward to this week's episode. I don't know what I'm trying to say to tonight's episode. Um, Which will be over A Simple Favor, which I was supposed to do last week, so everything's kind of getting pushed back. Uh, So yes, today we are doing movie review and discussion of A Simple Favor. It's a little bit different. It's more... Well, it's not really different. Yeah, it is. I'm going to say it is. It is different. It's very like psychological and I'm kind of getting in my head that Atomic Blonde is psychological but it's no it's not it's like a spy movie this is a psychological kind of like just mind fuck per se so yeah um, I hope you guys are staying safe but being able to stay cool and yeah stay cool because it's been really really hot lately been able to get out and just enjoy the fresh air if you have a pool hope you're able to lounge by the pool I'm jealous I don't have a pool I have a kiddie pool for my child which I tried lounging in which is not as comfortable as it may look but it, I was desperate because it was really really hot so yeah anyways um today's episode is being fueled by a mimosa. I know it's more of a brunch drink but I wasn't really in the mood for my usual cocktails and to be honest I did get a little bit lazy in trying to come up with a a drink um so I made a mimosa. I had some champagne and orange juice and it just sounded really refreshing on this warm Friday evening so yeah that's what I'm gonna do whatever judge me if you want but yeah that's what I decided to have as my drink of choice I hope you guys will grab your drink of choice and enjoy this episode along with me Uh, I and I also wanted to touch base on this last episode uh, when I mentioned the my drink that I had that I shared with you the Mountain Dew and vodka Hopefully some of you guys tried it if not that's okay I'm not gonna get hurt by it but hopefully it piqued your interest in trying it and hopefully you liked it if not again no hard feelings but hey you can say you tried something new but yeah so let me know if you guys liked it if you guys tried it at all even that would be a start and then if you liked it or not all right so let's go ahead and get into the movie discussion of A Simple Favor, which stars Blake Lively, Anna Kendrick, and Henry Golding. If you're not too familiar with Henry Golding, he was in uh, Crazy Rich Asians, and then he also came out in a movie with Matthew McConaughey, I believe it's called The Gentleman. I don't know why, but for whatever reason my mind wants to play tricks on me and have me say that it's called the gentleman's club but it's not it's the gentleman uh with uh, matthew mcconaughey uh oh my god i'm drawing up the brain part oh my gosh okay i got it i got it got it okay so matthew mcconaughey charlie Hunnam, colin farrell hugh grant michelle dockery from downton abbey and a few others but you know that's just a handful of the a-list actors who um are in that movie which is really really good i recommend you see that uh maybe i'll do a re- movie review and discussion on that sometime down the road but that's where henry golding if you haven't if the face or if the name sounds familiar or the face that looks familiar when if when in if you've seen this movie that's the other movies that he's been in all right <music> So, let's go ahead and get started. Um, Mommy blogger Stephanie Smothers, a single mother in Connecticut, makes a video for her mom blog. Hi moms. Um, Before she begins with her recipe, she updates viewers on an ongoing case involving Stephanie's best friend Emily Nelson, who is played by Blake Lively. So if you didn't guess Stephanie is played by Anna Kendrick. Um, So who has uh, her Stephanie's best friend, Emily Nelson, who has been missing for the last five days. Stephanie is overcome with emotion before composing herself to give new viewers a recap on what has happened. Uh, Stephanie admits she has not known Emily that long and met her at their son's kindergarten recently. Stephanie is always volunteering and contributing to Miles class to the point where some other parents, like Darren, Sonia, and Stacy, think Stephanie is making them look bad. Uh, the other parents discuss their jealousy over Emily, who works in New York City for a major fashion brand as a public relations manager. After school, Miles wants to have a play date with his friend Nikki, who's Emily's son. Uh, Stephanie first meets the sophisticated Emily when she goes to pick, up, um, pick Nikki up and the boys pestering emily agrees or at the boys pestering emily eventually agrees to the playdate and invites stephanie to come over for drinks as stephanie arrives at emily's stylish home she is stunned to see a graphic nude painting of emily hanging on a wall emily is blunt and rather crass even telling stephanie to stop apologizing Stephanie then explains that she is a widow after her husband and brother were killed in a car accident. Emily's husband, an English professor and one-time author, Sean Townsend, who's played by Henry Golding, arrives home and meets Stephanie while he and Emily kiss passionately. Stephanie says she has read Sean's book and enjoyed it. However, when Sean isn't there, Emily notes that Sean hasn't written a thing since his first book. 10 years ago and that they are close to bankruptcy while taking the boys to the park stephanie snaps a photo of emily for the school's yearbook emily firmly orders stephanie to delete the photo and does not explain why stephanie meekly obliges um at emily's house back at emily's house the two have martinis and trade secrets emily tells stephanie of how she and her husband got into a threesome with sean's Teaching assistant a few months earlier, and Stephanie tells a secret of how, after her father passed away when she was in high school, was a high school senior. She met a son who had from he had from another relationship named Chris, and in her grief, Stephanie turned to to Chris, and the two wound up having sex, leading a shocked Emily to call Stephanie a brother fucker, which is very cringeworthy. Like it's very cringy to hear her call her friend a brotherfucker, i mean it's true she's not wrong but it's just like uh, like hearing nails on a chalkboard kind of like cringy um so emily calls stephanie and asks her for a simple favor to pick up nikki from school because she has to take care of some work business while sean has gone to london to look after his injured mother Stephanie obliges, but she can't get in touch with Emily. After two days, Emily hasn't come for Nikki. So Stephanie calls Emily's job and is told that Emily flew to Miami to handle something, which she didn't mention to anyone, even Sean. Stephanie gets in touch with Sean to inform him, and he isn't surprised that Emily has left Nikki with her. He says that when Emily knows Nikki is with someone taking care of him, she will disappear for a few days. So he returns home the next day for Nikki, and when Stephanie tells him that her assistant is unable to get in touch with Emily either, they speak to the police about Emily, who has been gone for three days now. The police imply that she has left on her own because of marital troubles, and Sean later tells Stephanie that Emily deleted his Facebook accounts when he posted a photo of her. So it's all quickly becoming very shady that Emily is hiding something or from someone just don't know what it is yet but keep listening because it will come out so anyways stephanie takes it upon herself to find out what happened to emily so she goes to emily's work in new york city and meets her overbearing boss designer dennis nylon um who rudely dismisses stephanie's concerns and insults her outfit stephanie manages to sneak into Emily's office and find a black-and-white photocopy of an unflattering photo of Emily with a gotta-have-faith quote, or just gotta-have-faith written on it. Stephanie is spotted on her way out of the office, and Dennis threatens her, but Stephanie remembers hearing Emily speaking brashly to Dennis, and Stephanie hits back with some sass of her own to get Dennis to back off. Which, it works. Uh, Stephanie then uses the photo of Emily to make missing flyers. Detective Somerville later visits Sean to inform him that Emily was not on any flights to Miami, but that she rented a car from LaGuardia Airport the day she disappeared. Back at home, Stephanie wraps up her original video posted after Emily had been missing for five days, updating her viewers with details about Emily's rental car. And after a few days of Emily being gone, Stephanie's viewership has increased. And one of Stephanie's vlog viewers sends her a message stating that she may have spotted Emily driving in Michigan. Authorities go by a lake where the car was spotted. And sure enough, they fish the car out of the lake as well as Emily's body. Sean is called in to identify the body and he breaks down. A funeral is held for Emily. Emily. And Nikki and Miles get into a fight when Miles says that Emily is in heaven. And Nikki yells at Stephanie, claiming that she's trying to be his new mom. And Nick yells at his father that he's a loser, as his mother said. It's pretty harsh, especially for a kid that's in elementary school. Uh, Sean reacts angrily, but Stephanie ably diffuses the situation. And after the reception, Stephanie and Sean console each other. Which leads to the two of them having sex. So if things weren't already complicated with Emily mysteriously vanishing, disappearing, and then coming up dead, and then these two making things more complicated by having sex. Not the best idea, but good thing it's just a movie. anyways. Stephanie speaks with the detective Somerville and, in, and is in disbelief when told that Emily's autopsy showed that she's not only had severe liver damage from alcohol abuse, but heroin in her body and track marks on her arms and between her toes from injecting heroin. She informs him that the couple fought about money like most married couple do, couples do Detective Somerville also tells her that Sean took out a $4 million life insurance policy on Emily right before she died. Well, that's not suspicious. Uh, Stephanie insists that they are looking in the wrong direction by investigating Sean and that Dennis Nylon is way more suspicious. The detective explains that Nylon contacting them, telling them that Stephanie had more information than she was revealing. Stephanie goes by the college where Sean works. And sees him getting very friendly with his attractive young teaching assistant at dinner nikki insists he saw his mom that day at school and when told by sean that he merely thinks he saw her nikki reports that she spoke to him and told him to say hi to stephanie that's not creepy like that always makes this whole situation much more creepier when you go through a kid and have them say like oh i saw my." supposedly dead mom today and she told me to tell you that she said hi like oh fucking creepy leave the kids out of it but whatever um so growing suspicious emily asks sean about i'm sorry stephanie stephanie goes she asks sean about the life insurance which sean says was emily's idea after learning that stephanie lives off of her husband's insurance So they were thinking about Nikki in case something happened to either of them. He also tells Stephanie a story about the ring that was found on Emily's finger, which belonged to his mother and was the only piece of jewelry she cared about. And although Emily claimed that she had given it to her and wanted Emily to have it, Emily, in fact, did steal it while visiting his mother in London. Uh, The ring disappeared and on the plane ride back to New York, Emily announced that she had found it. What a quinkadink. a relieved Sean is shocked when Emily reveals she has no intention of giving it back and actually stole it and that there was no point for his mother to take such a beautiful ring to the grave. She tells him to choose her or his mother, and they would later go into the airplane bathroom where Nikki was conceived. When Stephanie tells him she knows about his threesome, he tells her that Emily was a pathological liar and that it never happened. My goodness, what a web of lies. Shortly after, Sean convinces Stephanie to move in. My goodness, geez, have some respect and wait a while. Why don't you? But whatever. Okay. After Stephanie empties Emily's clothes from her large walk-in closet, she is startled to see all of Emily's items suddenly return to their same spots. That's really creepy. Stephanie begins to believe that Emily is a spirit who is worried about being replaced. <gasps> no, not a spirit. Uh, while she is driving the boys home from school, Nikki gives Stephanie an envelope that he says is from Emily. Stephanie opens it and finds a picture of Stephanie with her family and Chris with brother fucker written on it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because a spirit will write, can write those kinds of things and do those kinds of things. Stephanie then receives a phone call from Emily mocking her and tells her to kiss Sean four million times for her. Oh, four million times. It's like the same amount of money that was taken out in life insurance. Again, what a quink Stephanie thinks back to telling Emily about the day her husband, Davis, and brother, Chris, were killed. Davis confronted her on her close relationship with Chris and his affection towards Miles and demanding to know whether Miles was his son or Chris's. She tells him he is talking crazy but does not answer the question. The two men then drive off in Dave's, Camar- Davis's Camaro for a man-to-man talk, only to be killed. When Stephanie Stephanie oh, can't talk. When Stephanie tearfully recounts her guilt, she and Emily end up kissing. Now, this is a flashback, not like right now. She still just only received a phone call from Emily. Anyways, Stephanie continues to dig into Emily's history. She takes the nude portrait of her, which she had said was painted by a former lover, and sees from the signature that it was painted by a woman. She tra- tracks down the artist, Diana Highland, played by Linda Cardellini, who claims that she was once in a romantic relationship with Emily, but her name was really Claudia. Diana was on the verge of burgeoning of a burgeoning career and starting to sell her work before she fell in love with her. She began painting nudes of exclusively and it ruined her career. Diana says Emily was a con artist who scammed her out of money after Diana paid off her student loans and college debts and then she disappeared completely. Diana then gives Stephanie the one thing Emily's, Emily left, which is a t-shirt for a Bible camp called Squawk Lake in Michigan. She warns her not to investigate Emily's past. Too late. Stephanie then decides to visit the camp, clearly not taking Diana's warning and gets old books with pictures from past campers in the book from 1996 she finds many pictures of twins hope and faith mclandon after contacting numerous people with the name mclandon stephanie manages to find hope and faith's mother margaret stephanie disguises herself as a cleaner and then sits down to ask margaret about her daughters she describes the two of them as being trouble especially faith Stephanie shows Margaret the picture she found in Emily's office and confirms that the woman in the photo is Faith. It turns out that when Hope and Faith were 16, they burned down the east wing of their home with their father inside, and the two vanished without a trace. Now that she's on to something, Stephanie makes a vlog calling out to Emily, forcing her to reveal herself as being alive. She updates her viewers about how to get closure She went to Michigan to find out all about Emily's life, sharing photos from the Bible camp. She says the photos helped her feel as close as a twin to Emily before closing with a message to Emily is telling her that she's got to have faith wherever she is. Emily meets a shocked Sean at the restaurant they always go to on their anniversary. Emily expresses her disdain that sean had sex with stephanie in their home and appears to threaten sean with a gun only to pull the trigger and reveal the gun wasn't loaded she's fucking crazy emily then meets stephanie in the cemetery by her own grave emily tells stephanie her side of the story although a flashback reveals that emily isn't sane emily who is really hope and her twin sister faith burned down the east wing of their house with their father inside because he it she knew that she was actually a triplet, but their sister charity was a stillborn after the fire they ran away from home and planned to meet up elsewhere but faith never showed up and after 16 years faith contacted emily to meet up at the camp where emily found that faith has become a heroin addict faith tried to blackmail emily And Emily drowned her in the lake and used her body to be found so that Sean and Nikki can get the life insurance money since they were broke. Back in the present, despite Emily stating that Faith's death was a suicide, Stephanie knows it was murder. Emily then accuses Stephanie of not being fully honest regarding her relationship with Chris, implying that he is Miles' real father. And a flashback shows that Stephanie's husband, Davis, was also suspicious as well and that he took Chris on the car ride that ended their lives. Additionally, Emily Emily plays a recording of her conversation with Sean in the restaurant, where he says that Stephanie meant nothing to him, and that he thought of Emily during sex. That's just disgusting. Stephanie then brings in an insurance lawyer, who tells Sean that since it was discovered that Emily had a twin, the insurance company is hesitant to pay in full In the full amount, especially since it is a large amount of money. Well, no fucking shit. God. Emily steals a wrench and tosses it into the air so that it hits her right in the eye. She walks into the police station to make it look like Sean beat her and forced her to fake her death as part of a scheme to frame Sean for insurance fraud. Sean is investigated and later taken into custody, but is released on bail. God, this bitch is brutal. Anyways, Stephanie then plans with Sean to get Emily to confess to the murders of her father and sister. Stephanie comes in with a gun and pretends to shoot Sean, but Emily already knew of everything and cut the mics that the police planted. She takes out her own gun and shoots Sean in the shoulder for real while also confessing to the murders. Stephanie then reveals that she has a hidden camera on her blouse and that her viewers have all seen Emily's confession. Oopsie. Emily attempts to escape as Stephanie goes after her. Emily draws her gun on Stephanie, but she gets slammed by a car driven by Darren, one of the volunteer parents. Moments later, the police arrive to arrest Emily. Six months later, Stephanie's vlog has hit 1 million viewers. She continues to provide recipes. recipes, and home remedies, and is now investigating cold cases. The ending text states that Stephanie's vlog continues to bring in viewers, while she has also started a detective agency and has helped the police solve at least 30 cases. Sean has written another successful book and has gotten a job working at another university, and he still lives with Nikki. Emily has been senten- sentenced to 20 years in prison, but she has adjusted to prison life nicely as she is seen playing basketball with her fellow inmates. Home sweet home. This is surprisingly quite a happy ending for such a fucked up movie. Like uh, Emily, she's in prison. But she seems very like, like I just mentioned, she's very content. She's adjusted well. She's in her element. And then, what's his name? Sean and his son have started a new life, a new chapter, and another town state wherever they are and Stephanie is solving cases she's become quite the investigator the handy investigator if this movie hasn't proved or if the, the movie hasn't proven that um, but yeah so that is a simple favor it's a bit of a short summary but I mean it pretty much highlights everything that happened all the crazy shit all the fucked up shit their friendship wasn't even a friendship it was just toxic like emily knew she needed a friend but kind of manipulated slash bullied her into i don't know coming back for more i don't know it's weird so yeah that is a simple favor it's very fucked up simple favor how it just unfolded a whole bunch of shitty shit I'm surprised only one person like died which was the twin faith out of all this crazy conspiracy mystery sneaking around type of shit I would have thought at least somebody else would have died but no but yeah so I hope you guys enjoyed this Um, I'm gonna do a little kind of trivia you know, behind the scenes kind of information like I mentioned before a few episodes back that I was gonna do. So let's go ahead and do that right now. So to accentuate the contrast between scary and the funny director Paul Feig made the decision to shoot the movie like a brightly lit comedy. Um, He goes on to say that thrilling things happen in the daylight rather than in a darkly lit room or rooms and then he adds in the suburbs there's a not a lot of hiding among the white walls and bright shadows which is kind of true and if you watch the movie there are comedic scenes that are hilarious but then like some of them are just like the fucked up shit is what's funny because it's completely ridiculous and it's just that fucked up so you just you can't believe it but i'm sure that stuff really does does happen in the real world as does everything else. Anyways, um, Anna—oh Anna, Anna, my God, I can't talk. Anna Kendrick, think who played Stephanie? She thinks that many women will be able to relate to Stephanie and Emily's lives, or Emily's friendship, because Stephanie always wanted validation from Emily, so she willingly put up with a lot of abuse because it's preferable to her loneliness. Which unfortunately is true. I do feel like a lot of women would be relatable to Stephanie in that sense, but it is, it's, which makes it fucked up because you shouldn't have to stay in a friendship or a relationship for that matter because, you know, or like a a bullying or abuse, a verbally abusive or an emotional abuse, abusive friendship only because you don't want to be lonely like i mean it may seem worth it in the beginning but it's not because then you get yourself sucked into this fucked up shit like stephanie did so don't do it but i know it's kind of hard to say it than to actually do it and then also one of the reasons why because if you haven't seen this movie uh blake lively's character emily wears a lot of suits. And the reason behind that was because it was actually Blake Lively's decision that she wanted Emily to wear suits because she wanted to differentiate Emily from the character that she played on Gossip Girl, Serena. Because both characters are women in fashion from the Upper East Side. And so she wanted it to be a very different look and a different vibe because you don't want to get that, you know, she doesn't want to feel like, oh, she got typecast again to be this rich Beautiful, long, luscious, blonde-haired um, socialite from, you know, the wealthier parts of New York. As also, you know, the Upper East Side. Which makes sense because if you're a Gossip Girl fan like I am, then you could have definitely made that comparison. Plus, I think Blake Lively can pull off wearing suits very, very well. I mean, she does it already in When She's Photographed so i don't think this was like an issue for her to have to pull off this type of fashion because she does it already in her normal you know life doing pictures press you know when she's doing events all that kind of stuff so yeah but it, it does definitely make a difference in her with her character it definitely helps the the boldness and bring out that type of personality of Emily and it helps bring that character to life along with her very crass and manipulative and deranged and psychotic way yeah so and then this is also surprising too so Emily obviously in the movie is portrayed as a heavy drinker um, but in contrast Blakely does not drink alcohol Which, in an interview, she stated that she doesn't drink, she's never tried a drug, and it's just something that she's genuinely does not have a desire for. Which is crazy to think, because in her movies, like, in this movie, and then also in Gossip Girl, that's all she, like, that's what she did. She drank, she did drugs the same thing is portrayed in this character she's making martinis she does a really really good job like I don't know how hard it is for people who don't drink to to pretend to be alcoholics or to pretend to portray uh to pretend to be drinking or intoxicated and stuff but she did a really good job this is a fact that I didn't even know which I think is very not inspiring but like very makes me in awe of her any he, like like she can't get any more perfect and then she says this and it's like oh okay well that's nice just makes her even more perfect but whatever and one more kind of you know fun fact about this movie is that in, in order to help promote A Simple Favor at CinemaCon in 2018 Blake Lively did, demonstrated how to make the, a perfect martini stage which is pretty cool Um, Because that's what she does in the movie. They really kind of like give her that scene to where, you know, she full on makes a martini drink. And it kind of shows her just doing it. Just focuses on the glass in her hands and how she just kind of does this movement. Like it's just so fluid and smooth on how she goes about making this martini drink and i mean i've never had a martini before i think i don't know i'm just afraid that it requires a specific kind of taste palette that i don't not sure i acquire but you never know and she just makes it look really really delicious and refreshing so yeah that is that so I hope you enjoyed these little fun facts about the movie, behind the scenes, um, with, with the characters, and on how the actors, you know, became the characters and all that fun stuff. And their point of view of their characters as well, in order to bring those characters to life. And so uh, I hope you guys have a really good rest of your weekend, staying safe, but having fun as well. And next week's episode is going to be a movie review discussion on a classic that my husband then boyfriend at the time introduced me to hold on let me bring it up so I don't ruin the name it's Tucker and Dale versus evil so if you haven't seen it it's kind of this comedic murder movie about these two guys out trying to renovate their cabin and then these college kids come to you know, for a spring break or summer getaway and they end up getting killed but they suspect it's these two, like, redneck guys who are really, honestly, they're the most innocent guys of the bunch of this whole entire movie. But yet, these circumstances, they get put in these circumstances in these situations to where they're the ones made to look like the creepy backwoods murderer. So, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's hilarious. And if you have, then I hope you're looking forward to this movie review and discussion. Um, Again, I'm really excited to do it and I hope you guys are too. So hope you enjoyed this movie review and discussion episode and I will talk to you guys next time. Bye!